You're listening to the Quince podcast. Ye jo China hai na, it is saying to us, Galwan Valley clashes were India's fault. The LAC is not where you Indians think it is. Pangong Ho ya Debsang. We believe the Chinese army is on Chinese soil. That's not Indian soil. And so we are not pulling back. Karlo jo karna hai. China's ambassador to India, Sun Waidong, has repeated China's new stand that at the Galwan Valley, the LAC is at the point where the Galwan River meets the Shok River, six to seven kilometers west of India's view of the LAC. At Pangong Lake 2, defense expert Manoj Joshi says that after claiming since 1960 that the LAC was at finger five, China now claims the LAC to be at finger two, 15 kilometers west of India's LAC claim, which is at finger eight. So naturally, China now says that disengagement is almost complete at the LAC because now, after shifting the LAC westwards, According to them, the land they occupy is Chinese territory. Satellite pictures accessed by India Today show that China has now added dozens of prefabricated huts between Finger 5 and Finger 6. Clear plans for troops to permanently stay there. They have extended the jetties on the lake, added many more boats and they still occupy the ridges of Finger 4. And of course, in the even more sensitive area of Depsang, which we don't even seem to have discussed at the negotiations, the Chinese are again several kilometers inside Indian territory, blocking our troops from reaching patrol points 10, 11, 12 and 13. And note, all this, the new LAC claims adding Chinese troops on Indian territory has happened in the last few weeks, even as India has sat at the negotiation table in good faith. In fact, defense expert Brahma Chelani has repeatedly said that China uses negotiations only to buy time. And during that time, they make new claims, bring in troops and weaponry to create a new status quo and make it unalterable. Even though China has signed three agreements in 1993, in 1996 and 2005, committing itself to clarify where their LAC claim is, last week, once again, China's ambassador has said that China will not put its LAC claim down on a map. While we keep talking about status quo ante, the positions that both sides held in April, China has made it clear there is no going back to that. India's army chief during the Kargil war, General VP Malik, has also called the negotiations a delaying tactic from the Chinese side, while senior former diplomats Sham Saran and Kaval Sibyl both say that dislodging the Chinese from the positions that they now occupy, getting even more solidly entrenched as each day passes, will be difficult. So what are India's options? While economic decoupling is an option, provided it's carefully planned and followed here today, we are going to look at military and diplomatic options and the challenges of pursuing each option. In terms of military strategy, here are retired Lieutenant General H.S. Panag's suggestions. One, push for status quo ante with or without buffer zones at the negotiation table 
as has been achieved at the Galwan Valley, where China has pulled back and there is now a four-kilometer buffer zone in place. Number two, prepare for fortress defense of areas likely to be isolated and attacked, meaning the DBO Depsang Galwan sector, the Hot Springs Gogra sector, and Pangong Lake. Add soldiers, weapons, infrastructure at each of these locations on a large and permanent basis, giving them the ability to defend and counterattack. Three, raise deployment of forces in the Chushul, Indus River Valley, and Chumar sectors for counteroffensives if needed. But the challenge here is cost, financial and human. Since 1984, we have lost 900 soldiers at the 76-kilometer Siachen Glacier stretch, which is at over 17,000 feet. Now, deploying 30,000 troops across hundreds of kilometers on the LAC at over 14,000 feet will cost the lives of many more of our soldiers. Financially, too, we will need better all-weather roads, living quarters for thousands of troops, thousands of tons of food and fuel to reach these remote areas daily. As General Rawat, Chief of Defence Staff, has himself conceded, out of India's $66 billion defence budget, a huge 82% goes in salaries and pensions, just 17% or roughly $12 billion are left to buy weapons and equipment for capital expenditure for all three forces, the Navy, the Air Force and the Army. And defence purchases are expensive. The five Rafals we've just bought cost almost half a billion dollars. With the economy already in a bad shape, getting worsened by the pandemic, raising emergency funds will be tough. And the Chinese are aware of these constraints. And so they will be stubborn at the negotiations and at the LAC. Moving on, most experts say even as we build strong military deterrence at the LAC, we must rely most on diplomatic strategy. Get China to see the high diplomatic cost of occupying Indian territory and then voluntarily return to the pre-April 2020 positions. But that's easier said than done. India's strongest diplomatic lever at the moment is the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue or the Quad, an alliance of the US, Japan, Australia and India all four nations now, after quite a few years, finally making it much clearer that China is the adversary. Experts say India must up its commitment to the Quad. Number one, take part in naval exercises in the South China Sea. Number two, get Australia to join the annual Malabar naval exercise that already has the US, Japan and India taking part. And three, possibly offer naval facilities to the Quad at the Andaman and Nicobar Islands. In fact, let's take a closer look at the Andaman and Nicobar Islands. They lie just a few hundred kilometers north of the Malacca Strait and 80% of China's oil supplies pass through the Malacca Strait. If India were to ramp up its naval capacity at the Andaman and Nicobar Islands, pose a clear threat to Chinese shipping Backed by the navies of the Quad, it could put serious pressure on China to withdraw from Indian land at the LAC. 
Estimates suggest it could cost China up to $200 billion a year if their ships were forced to take a longer route due to pressure from India. But China too is not sitting idle. For example, look at China-Iran relations. Reports say China plans to invest $400 billion in Iran, the most that China has pledged to any country in its Belt and Road Initiative or BRI. China will also station 5,000 Chinese security personnel, read military, to protect its investments in Iran, which include developing the port city of Jusk, between Jusk and the port of Gwadar in Pakistan and the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor or CPEC, China could route a lot of its oil imports over land and rely less on the Malacca Strait. Last year, the Chinese, Russian and Iranian navies held a joint exercise in the Indian Ocean, signalling a potential counterbalance to the Quad. By contrast, India has been slack in its age-old relationship with Iran. In 2016, Iran had tied up with India to develop its Chabahar port and build a rail link to Afghanistan. It would have been an apt counterbalance to China's presence at Gwadar port, also giving Indian goods overland access to Central Asia, bypassing Pakistan. But India has gone slow on the project. And last month, Iran has just dropped India from the railway project and China has stepped up and offered to help instead. India The way forward for it to deal with China is not easy. But if we demonstrate the will and the clarity, it can be done.